Hello, Spacers. This is Atlas, Berserker of the Acers. I need the audience to share our story to anyone you meet. One, it'll increase my standing for promotion. And two, it'll help our group share our story through the planetary system. We love to see our supporters and backup from everyone who watches. I'll hand you over to Nathan. Hey guys, thank you for watching and supporting through following, subscribing, Patreon, and even just watching listening to the show. I hope you enjoy this episode, and make sure to leave any thoughts or questions in the comments. Until next time, Spacers. Thank you. You ever get tired of drawing maps and having your players ruin your hard work by teleporting away? Or using Charm Creature to avoid that glorious boss battle set in that laboriously crayon-drawn map? Yeah, <laughs> me too. Well, that's my problem no more. Starlight Maps and Battle Mats are now sponsored by the beautiful artwork of Loki Battle Mats. From lavish palaces to cold alien caverns, they have a solution for everything. The maps come in big books that are easily transported, can be drawn on with erase markers, and immerse the players with a stunning reality. They'll forget they aren't actually standing by that pool of lava. And Battle Mats are only the beginning of what Loki has to offer. Want to know more? Go check them out, or stop by our YouTube to see what they have to offer. Now, let's roll. And we are glad to have you guys here. <laughs> so uh, we are getting closer. The jaws are closing around the Sunmaker, even though McKenna tries to get it not to. Um, Atlas continues the story going forward so that we can finally slay some elephants. Excuse me? You're excused. Slay some elephants? Oh. In a good way. But um, I digress. We have the best cast and crew, we have the best fans, and we are here to bring you another episode. So, we're gonna jump right into it on this episode of Starlight. Neuralink, would you please mind accessing memories? Accessing. At last, the spacers make contact with the Sunmaker and in the process learn that his current location now subsides on the planet of Indul within the XR1 solar system in the heart of the Federation. But this is not all the spacers gather. They also come to inherit the Sunmaker ship, the Maliki, and with it, his AI butler, Kinsworth Page. A program who has seemingly developed its own sense of humanity and love for puzzles. At last, the spacers can finally leave Thela an inch closer towards the Sunmaker, face to face. Memories retrieved. We got some votes from the social media. And Atlas ended up getting the other point of inspiration. So go ahead and add that. Hey! How are you? <sighs> You're welcome. None for me. <laughs> I'm feeling a little left out. Oh, I'm feeling a little <laughs> left out here. Okay. All right. So where we pick up then is the ship, the dragon, the Malachi is coming to life. 
For the first time, this whole entire story, the spacers find themselves with their own transportation and means to travel throughout the galaxy, or as far as their fuel will take them. You see that there is still enough left in it for you guys to make it to a hypergate, but as for now, you guys are plotting a course, I believe, to Sanctuary Mm -hmm. for multiple reasons, for multiple characters. So we see Clive hands into the jelly liquid, kind of these like hepatic implements attached to his head so he can actually feel what the dragon feels itself. You are getting almost like a sensory overload, Clive. You are feeling that almost this dragon is waking up from a long sleep, stretching like a cat, flexing its muscles with every single thrust and throttle of the engines. And as it begins to ascend, it is waking up. And there is, every dragon has a slightly different kind of like mood or feeling to it, but there's a crystal clarity to it that is almost just invigorating. As for its mood, what kind of mood are you sensing from it, Clive? Mm, One of like confusion, almost like, because you kind of, because you've been asleep for a long time, right? And they are slightly organic so it would be safe to say that it has some sort of feeling so kind of running through the motions but not quite sure why it's a very uh i don't know it's a very hard mood to describe i think (laughs) page appears next to you and whispers into your ear she'll get better she'll come to recognize you it just takes some time and clive in the process and time of which it takes for you to pilot everyone to sanctuary, you gain a bond with the ship. You are now attuned to this dragon. While we're doing it, I try to say hi to the dragon by putting my hands in because it would know me. Immediately, you kind of get like this icy sensation. It's like as if someone like broke an egg over your scalp and then let the drippings fall through you. And just as Clive was kind of telling you guys about how the ship felt, you feel that similar confusion. And then there's like a, just like this like base feral warmth that kind of like purrs for a second at your touch. And then it pulls back towards Clive. Perfect. That's what I wanted. So as you guys are flying in the ship, those of you who aren't piloting, which would be (laughs) everyone else other than Clive, you see that the ship itself has, you take a little tour of it, you find kind of like a center area that um, has a bit of like a kind of like where cargo and stuff can be held. Just above that, where you, Kensworth originally took you, there's a like a living area where you find couches and other various things to sit on and lounge at. And this seems to be kind of like the main area for getting together, talking, whatever. And all throughout the entire ship, the floors are wooden. They are polished, and most of the furniture in there is is fine furniture. And you find banners with an image similar to the effigy of the way all throughout the ship. You find that there are rooms aplenty for the three of you with some areas that can still be expanded onto. Atlas and McKenna, you both also find that there is a pretty decent smuggling hold aboard the ship. And all in all, it is 
It is a freighter slash exploring vessel that seems quite capable. Bill Bill Khan comes up to both of you as you guys are looking around the ship, helmet in his arm underneath his arm, and he nods and thank you. I've been looking for the Sunmaker for a long time. Why? That's classified. But what I can tell you is I am not here to cause him harm. More like I am here to learn secrets from him and confirm. I seriously just want to talk to him. Hmm. Same as all of you seem to do. Hmm. And I figured that the Moonmaker would know where he was. Yikes. Probably. Smiles again, pointed teeth. You think you can trust me alone on that, Moonmaker? You know that I'm a part of the secret police. If I wanted you clapped in irons and thrown away to rot where you'll be forgotten about, I could have done that some time ago. But I haven't, and I don't plan on it. Can I ask why? Go ahead and make a persuasion roll. A nat one? (laughs) He puts one arm up and claps you on the shoulder. (sighs) Again, that's classified. But I mean you no harm. You can ask Atlas here. If I meant to harm him or your crew, I could have done it at any time. Then I guess I owe you a thank you. Now, once we reach Sanctuary, we will part ways. I have all the information I need, and I will say thank you to both of you. To all of you. He reaches into his pocket, pulls out a data link, and shows you guys this code. It's to my private channels. A debt for a debt. If you guys find yourselves in need, you can reach out to me. The yep will answer. Thank you. And then he makes his way into the lounge room and kind of begins playing a game similar to that of Tetris. Yeah, Alice is just gonna prepare a message, which he's not. I'm not gonna go over it right now, but he's just gonna prepare a message, kind of like a one of those like voice for um, audio files in a sense that can be sent out later on. That's what he's gonna spend his time on. Just as you kind of finish that atlas, there is a ring to your comm link, and you see that it is Astra calling you back. Uh, embarrassment seeping back in. <laughs> <laughs> Can I eavesdrop on Atlas? Go ahead and make a stealth roll versus his passive perception. Shh, a nine. My, uh, my passive perception is 12. You hear just as like the ringing starts, these footsteps just and you see like the shadow <laughs> just kind of like between this the door that's like your door's like just barely open just a little bit is, do the doors go outwards or inwards to close 
They go outward. Mm. Perfect. <laughs> I'm not gonna be too violent, but Alice is gonna give like a swift kick to the door. Make an attack roll with that <laughs> improvised weapon, so no modifiers. 16. Oh, 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 sorry. I just got lost on the ship that I know everything about oh, and have spent years on. And oh, I'm, I'm sorry, Alice. Then I run away. <laughs> oh. Hello? Atlas, I see that I missed your call. Yes, how's it going? Might I ask what it is about? Uh, yeah, I was calling in regards to Boris and his opinions on uh, the outcome of the law of choice. Ah, yes. Well, we did hear about that. Uh, he's not the happiest about it, but he's not angry. Let's just say that some of his operations going forward are going to be a little bit more difficult. But that leadership change hasn't quite happened yet. Obviously, it's going to take some time for uh, Gideus to fully move over and put in commands. So, Boris is awaiting your visit, but I would uh, be careful not to get on his bad side. Although I doubt there's anything he could do against you. Well, that's good to know. Do So can I basically consider Boris as still an ally or an adversary? For now, he's an ally. And I don't see that changing anytime soon. Especially if you do this... If you do this job well for him. That's true. How has things been with you and the... Uh... That's it. Well, they've been... busy. We're constantly looking at lateral moves, mobility, and Boris keeps me on my toes. Actually, Alice, I'm very glad that you called. I've been thinking about you a lot lately. I've been thinking about the position that you're in, and I was wondering if you could do me a favor. What type of favor? It depends. How do you feel about Boris Dukar? I feel as if Boris has his own agenda in a, in a sense, and I'm still on the fence on whether or not it's good for the Acers as a whole. Um, I can't say 100% that he is a completely bad individual due to the fact that my own actions are not too different from his, but I, I, like I said, I'm still trying to debate on whether or not he's good for the Acers or not. She kind of takes in a deep breath. Well, that's good. Perhaps I can convince you of something. You seem to have fallen into Boris's favor. And on top of that, you are heading to Endul. One is to go take care of one of his operations and make sure that it is still working. I believe that he is sending one of his science officers with you. Uh, Dr. Hopper, I think. She's brilliant, yes. But the other way from that moon is to go deliver some goods. I was hoping that, perhaps, you could yes. also deliver with those goods a, uh, an extra bundle, so to speak. As you know, trust is paramount within the Acers. And Molars Ducaris, he is a conniving, smart individual. And he is also not trustworthy, not by our ideals. Boris is married to the daughter of the second Tetsub son. 
that is how he got this little position of his. Took it right out from me. Mm. Now normally that would be okay, but Thoris is also a bit of a, um, his leadership is not the greatest. And I do not like the directions he's taking it. So I would normally go through the right channels to do this, but well, no one's going to believe me. Um, not easily anyways. And that's what I'm hoping you can deliver is deliver credibility to the claims that I'm ready to make. You see, Boris has a mistress. Her name is Arlene. And she lives on Endul. And those things that you are going to deliver are for her and Boris's bastard child. Now, how would you think that the son of the Tetsip patriarch would feel about that, knowing that his in-law is cheating on his sister? I have private comms device. Just deliver that to Arlene's cadre. She won't know that it's not a new comm device on which to communicate with Boris. And all the meanwhile, it'll be capturing and relaying information to, to Boris's in-law. Simple. And then I gain a seat, as I am the one to succeed Boris. And you have my debt, a promise. Just to clarify also, what is going to be in that bundle that you want me to send? It is a specially encrypted comms device. One that will capture and send the information to Boris's father-in-law. That's all. Just deliver it. Arlene won't know no difference than that it's just another comms device used to communicate with her lover. Nothing will come of her. least we know that the Acers are not about punishing those who aren't aware of where they're treading. But Boris... What you're saying is true, then I can take the comm link over. It is true. And I promise you that when I take Boris's seat, we will be here to help you. Alright, well, I will see you when we get back to Sanctuary. Also, I have to obviously pick up Boris's doctor, because we'll be starting to head out pretty soon. Mm. Dr. Hopper is lovely, and she's a bit frail, so take care. I unfortunately won't be there, but Smiley is my personal assistant, and he will make sure that you receive that comm link. Perfect. Will Smiley be coming with us? No. He plays the part well as Boris's second-in-command idiot guard, but he is anything but stupid. All right. Well, we have a deal. That is good. And maybe next time I see you again, you can try that kiss on the hand a little bit better. <laughs> I'd rather not speak about that. <laughs> uh, this is your captain speaking. We are now descending into uh, Sanctuary. Uh, please, everyone, would you... Uh, sit down and buckle up. You find yourself outside of the apartment complex, the, the high-rise one where Seesaw was. 
and retracing your status, McKenna. Would you would you guys mind accompanying me? For CISA? Yes. Mm, I have I still don't know about this whole kid thing, but you, I've been you, flying for a few hours and I need to stretch my legs. I guess I guess I'll go with you. Thank you. Alice is gonna go pick up his packages. Wait, you can't just leave us. Please just wait, it'll take like ten minutes. I don't think you guys need much help with a single child. Did you guys retrace the steps that McKenna and Thirsty once walked? You take a repulsor lift and go up in the high rise to the safe house where CISA is being held. There is a single door in a hallway that is lit by a single light. So it's dark and shadowed and you come up to it. The door is completely shut. It is locked tight and uh, you don't have a key, McKenna. Of course I don't. Clive, this is where you come in. Can you unlock the door? Mm. You're good at this kind of stuff. Yeah, I might be able to do do that. Uh, Thank you. Do I have to have a... There's not some sort of like lock picking kit or something that you have to have in order to do that, do you? Or can you just... Is that something you just roll for? You can roll for it. You just don't get to add like the pluses with that. So, okay, so... So it's just a de- it's just a dex. But no uh, modifier? No. Uh, 16? You start finagling at the door using uh, odds and ends that you you fashion together and it's a very very old-fashioned door and there is a small click. the door opens after Clive is done and you can see that part of the lock's been ruined now and inside you hear the sound of like this like breathing apparatus and the sound of life support holding Cisa under McKenna, you make your way into the room, and Clyde, you see this like bare bones safe house, mostly been cleared out. And as you turn around the corner, you see Cecil in a bed, strapped down by like these like leather thongs, with it looks like Thirsting put all the equipment back on, and so these tubes are in him that are keeping him under anesthesia. I'm gonna write a note first to Thirsting to say thank you for being a great dad in the short term, love. Marty McFly. And then I'm going to pull the tubes out of Sisa and carry his body to the ship. Uh, Atlas, can you roll a die 100? I can. I have those ready. 47. <laughs> oh! And you see, with a walker out in the hallway, this hunched over grandma human just staring at you. What you doing there? Well, Cisa here, or my son here, he's sick, and we're we're taking him to get care. <laughs> Go ahead and make a persuasion roll, or I mean a deception roll. Ten. Oh dear! You wouldn't think that he has some of that lotions going on, does he? I don't think it's that. But we gotta get going, and I'm just gonna rush past. so fast! I mean, you're gonna slip and fall! I'm gonna keep going. She turns back and looks at Clive, who's somewhat behind. Well, you're gonna to take care of your wife. <laughs> oh, my wife. Oh, you got it all wrong, trust me. I'm just here as an escort. I'm here to help her out. I'm here to keep guard. 
Oh. Back when old April got married, she had five escorts there to dance for the party. You got a lot of women to dance for, sonny. She turns. <laughs> Yeah, let me tell you, it's it's not easy uh, keeping this one satisfied, but uh, <laughs> I do my best. It's a uh, well, I should be going. Is a good day to you, oh, ma'am. Good day to you, strapping fella. One eighty. If you ever need, if you ever get a lunch break. And you see, you see, Clive take out a note real quick, and he writes that down. Boris brings you in and you're brought into his office atlas and you see like on these kind of like floating like lifts this big silver case of supplies Boris is there kind of tapping the sides of his big belly you can see Smiley the redskinned hobgoblin off to the side arms crossed and there was a new person there that you haven't seen you see Dr. Hoffer as she's introduced a drow that she wears glasses that that are like kind of sharpened at the end almost and you can't see her eyes from behind it so she's white hair and is a, is a frail build well atlas you are keeping to your word my 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 i already have a better feeling that you are going to be more successful than the last one of these smuggler boys well, so this here, and he taps the metallic case, is what you're gonna be smuggling into Endul. You'll find the coordinates there to your location. It's just a simple meet and rotunda. And uh, there'll be a small cadre of people there to pick it up. She'll be pretty easy to get it through. But uh, just so you know, you are smuggling these things and if you see anyone following those group of people, you are the perfect one for the cause. Ideally, they wouldn't see it, but make sure that, uh, make sure that they're out of the picture. Hmm? And then, if I might introduce <coughs> Dr. Hoffy, it's good to meet you. Yes, you're gonna go to Vindigus with Dr. Hoffer and take care of our outpost that we're working on these communication devices. She is a uh, most excellent chief scientist, and she'll be putting everything back into order. Hopefully, there's nothing wrong there, but um, in the case that there is, I trust it to your capable hands that you will be able to take care of it. Now, you tell me that you have transportation. Yes? Yes, I have transportation. Good, good, good. Good. Well, then, uh, let me go ahead and have this uploaded here. This will get you past most things. And, and I don't want to shortcut you, Atlas. I want to make sure that you are fueled and you are able to get to your location. So you will be taking your first hyperfuel jump on me. So let me go ahead and get that uploaded to the hypergates. And you will just need, like, a calling code. What, uh... What should I put your ship's crew in as? <laughs> we were supposed to discuss this. 
This is all you, Atlas. You guys can discuss it right now. Oh, no, no, no. no. <laughs> I want to see what Atlas comes up with. So Atlas is going to comm link to both of them, like in a group call. What's our ship called? Well, it's not called the Maliki. <laughs> I can tell you that. So that rules out one name option. We could do Maliki backwards. You'll come. You'll come? <laughs> <laughs> It'll be yellow come. <laughs> does sound like you'll come. I'm like, uh, Alice is going to tell Boris, give me one second. Just so he doesn't uh, look at it, I'm just staring. Of course, go ahead. We could do battle gob. <laughs> battle gob. Star chaser. Star chaser, that holds potential. A little bit better than battle gob. Um. Uh. I don't know. I'm still. I'm still. S S S I T. No, we're not doing that. S S C two. No. No. It could be. It could be C two. Like if you guys wanted to go for like a more sci-fi thing, it could literally be like a C and a two. Yeah, yeah, like a that'd be kind of cool. Let's do it. SSC. Wait, what are we doing? SSC two or just C two? Just C and two, like the letter C. What, is that, and what does that stand two. for? Strongest in the universe. Oh, dude. okay, all right. <laughs> but no one else is gonna know that. I just think I, I'm not against it. I just think it's so funny. <laughs> we know that, and that's all, all that right, matters. So. Our vessel's name is C2. C2. I like it. Short, practical, model number maybe. Perfect. Let me just put that in here. The vessel C2, calling sign C2. And there you go. You'll be able to make your jump over into XR1 no problem. Fueled up on the Dakar credits. So, my friend, I'll have Smiley here to escort you out, and I cannot wait to hear for your success. He leans over, grabs Dr. Hoffer's hand, and almost like a little too intimately pulls her across the room to, towards you, and she looks at you curtly, not much emotion in her face, just cannot wait to see your vessel. Smiley grabs the edge of the lift with the floating case and starts pushing with them. And you guys begin making your way back to the ship. As Dr. Hoffer begins kind of like looking around the ship to it and begins making herself at home. Smiley loads the cargo case up into the cargo bay and then looks at you and for the first time says, takes it out and hands it over to you. I also take it and put it away. Smiley raises a hand and, and folds the thumb into the four fingers and holds it up as a sign. May your travels be safe. May your sword remain sharp. And may all of your enemies fall to their knees. And then, without a single smile, he turns and leaves. 
And as he's leaving, he passes both Clive and, and McKenna as they are making their way into the ship. So there's no confusion. Alice will go up to McKenna and Clive. So we have fuel and payment for our passage into XR1. The only thing is, is that I have to do a small job on when we get there. But because of that, we can now get there pretty freely and also not without the expense of fuel. A uh, small job, you say. Now, what what exactly does that entail? What what exactly are we getting ourselves into here, Mister Atlas? Because just 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 to point out, I still am the only one that can pilot this ship. Alice will look over to Clive. As a matter of fact, I actually have a doctor that could probably fly this ship for us. Hmm, probably, huh? Also, Paige would probably fly this ship for me, too. (laughs) Paige pops in. Only if you answer the right question. Exactly. But no, and all, obviously I want your guys' cooperation, is the fact is, is that the job itself is going to be, it is a smuggling job. It's going to be for a rate of content and also the doctor herself. So, um, there's going to be a group that's going to be picking it up when we get to Endul. So just to be clear, we're going to be smuggling a child I have not actually adopted who's a synth, Clive who is a synth, the stuff that you're bringing that you're smuggling, um, and... A massive dragon that we have under disguise. Okay, great. Well, the dragon. I say that's what I meant with doing this job. We'll be able to have access to basically getting through XTX R one without too much of. Right. It's the the dilemma still is that it's um, a ship connected to the Nuguvu Knights, and that is. That'd be fine. The the coding should have. It should be cleared. Like, we should be able to get through the XR1. Um, let's just have be aware of consequences that could come of this. So what exactly is it that we're smuggling? Uh, basically, in a sense, it's just going to be merchandise for... Basically, I'm smuggling items for Boris so he can make his business expand. So... I mean, I Basically, what you're telling me that is you have no idea. Well, no, it's basically just yeah, items to expand his business. What kind of items? <laughs> Why do they need to be smuggled? I'm gonna be completely honest with you. When it comes down to a lot of this techie stuff, I don't really know. I just know that it'll expand his business, and the doctor will be an assistance with that. Um, we do have to stop and bend a kiss around that moon. Dr. Hoffer walks into the room after having settled her stuff into one of the spare uh, areas. Claps her hands. Vindicus, exactly. The dark side of the moon, to be precise. The moon doesn't really shift yeah, too much. Perfect. I will introduce you. This is Dr. Hoffer, and this is Clive and McKenna. And this is Thesa, who I hold up in my arms, who's currently passed out. Quaint. I do just want to point out that most good things don't happen on Dark Side of the Moon. From prior life experience. 
but we can hope that this is different. Hmm. Now, as uh, our compatriot here was saying, we'll be going there because, as you all know, you are a part of his crew. The outpost in which the Tessip family in Dakar is working on for communication relays has been inoperational. We will be making the first stop there, where we will go and make sure that everything is as it should be. And if not, we will put it right. But I seem to think that communication is already difficult there, and they sent other idiots when they should have sent me to go take care of it. Okay. And I'm rushing back to a room to settle Cisa in. Well, I'm glad she accepted that. Clive? I mean, it's fine by me, you know. Uh, I'm not a stranger to uh, smuggling. I'm not a stranger to any of that kind of stuff. I just want to make sure we have it know what we're actually getting ourselves into. I'm not I'm not keen on dying anytime soon, and I don't want us to fall into some sort of trap. I've been doing this for a long time. I've seen a lot of things, but I trust you, Atlas. You've proven yourself more than once, so if you say it's going to be fine, then I'm with you. Yeah, for the delivery itself, too, I can handle that alone if need be. I'm not, I can't actually confirm whether or not everything will be safe, because Forrest did mention that people may or may not be following or attempt to follow the people picking up the package. I do have one request, though. When we get to the moon, if uh, Dr. Hopper and I could, could have, a, have a little bit of a talk just between the two of us. I mean, that's just between the doctor and you. But, but <clears throat> if that's something that we can agree on, then I would I say let's let's start moving. All right. Uh, Clive will make his way to the cockpit to get the ship started. And with that, for the first time in quite some time since landing on Thela, you guys go through all the procedural checks, and the C two rises up from the city sanctuary and begins to take off towards the Hypergate. is like a, a short journey over a few days, um, I believe two days to get to the Hypergate. And true to his word, as you guys see this monolithic structure that's, with, that's circular kind of floating as if just hoisted there and left by God to dangle, you see various gate lines within it where all kinds of ships are kind of like getting fueled up and then getting shot out in directions that have been uh, mapped out by the guild. The C2 is no exception. The dragon comes up. You see various 
uh, dwarves doing spacewalks out in these like second skin suits, fueling it up. Robots that are out, making sure that the ship is in tip-top shape to go, and your credentials are accepted. And without you guys having to pay, the voice tells you that you guys are good to go. It's already been prepaid for, and you hear the rumble. The ship begins to shake, and then it suddenly just gets thrust forward into the darkness. Stars become lines that zoom past, and you guys find yourself rocketing from one edge of the known universe to the other. That is so cool. Yeah, we're finally off this planet. <laughs> that was uh. so cool. <laughs> um, you guys all start to kind of get to know each other a little bit more. The journey is a seven day journey, roughly. As far as on your end, for your biological clock anyways. Now, of course, the time it takes across like actual time is different. Does Sisa wake up at all? Sisa does wake up at a certain point, but, and you are alerted to him, you know, kind of like as your mid dance much later. Um, and you just hear him kind of go, my eyes. Hello? Hello? I can't see a thing. Is anyone there? You immediately drop Clive and rush into a different room to go find him. There. Is he blind? He seems to be. I'm gonna do a I'm gonna try to calm him down and then do like a survival check. Okay. Um go to make a straight charisma roll. Fourteen. <sighs> I know you. I know you. Calm down. Uh, Take a deep breath. McKenna? Is that you? Mm-hmm. Where am I? I You did something to me, but you where are we? Where are where are we? Well, let's figure out the whole blindness thing, and then let's talk about where we are. Roll a survival roll. Eight. You're not quite sure. This could be like a side effect of really strong anesthesia and all that. Sisa, take a deep breath. <sighs> okay. Okay. I'm going to be completely honest with you, and I'm not telling you any lies. We are on the Maliki, Maliki, which belonged to the Sunmaker, who was a friend of mine, is still a friend of mine. Okay. And we are being currently thrust into space on our way to a moon. And then we are going to Enduel, where we will connect with your sister. Just as I promised. He like stops kind of like thrashing. The sweat's kind of on his brow. Carice? Yes. <laughs> You're not lying. No. I told you I'd be completely honest. We have to stop on the moon. Sounds like it'll be a quick stop. I don't know all the details. It might not be a quick stop. I'm being honest with you. And then we will be heading to Enduel. Actually, I think at the time I don't know whether to hate you, be amazed by you, think you're crazy, or we're actually going to find Carice. Yes. And you think it'll be safe? 
I wouldn't be bringing you if I didn't. Make a persuasion roll. 18. <sighs> you don't know them. No, no, no. You don't know the reveries like I do. Promise me something. What? If there's any sign of trouble, you'll get Carissa out of there. You care about me. I just want to know she's safe. I will treat Carice as my own, but I will also treat you as my own, so I will not leave you behind. Deal? Uh, I think I'm going to be sick. (laughs) That was a lot of anesthesia. You guys start to head to bed. You make it to your own quarters, Clive, and you fall once more into the dark place, devoid of any feeling, any dream, except this one's different. The sparks that run across the darkness suddenly illuminates a room as you're sleeping, but it's a room not like the one you're in. It is one that looks like a dirt hobble. The sides of it are built with clay. You look up, it smells of burnt dirt and hot wheat. The roof is thatched with grass and you can see all sorts of like strange embellishments on the wall. But the most common thread you see are these various weavings that are in baskets on these rugs. And there is a a fire that is crackling in the back. You see before you on the other side, a spear that is dripping the blood. Yeah, I start making my way towards the spear to inspect it. As you come up to the spear, you see that impaled on the end is a half a dozen ears that are still bleeding. They're all roughly a tint of green or gray, but there is an impossible amount of blood still coming from them and it's building a puddle at your feet. Uh, are any of them still alive? Make make a uh, make a biology check. Sixteen. Uh, you see that some are spurting more blood than others. The uppermost, however, which is kind of like a bit thicker and more rounded, has a little bit of tuft of hair coming off of it. That one is spurting the most blood. And as you hover your hand over it, you can feel that it is impossibly hot, like a coal from a fire. And then as you are kind of like holding your hand over that, you see a shadow in the blood at your feet. And then it moves again. And now you see that the blood has almost become clear and you can see what looks like a starship riding across a scene as if it's almost like a the blood is itself like a television. There's something familiar about this ship, but you can't tell for sure. Make a history check. Uh, 12. You recognize this starship. This is the starship that you used to pilot. This is the starship that you woke up broken across the ground in the middle of a battlefield. You see the star chaser and you watch as it moves through this canyon on some unknown planet 
the clouds themselves are a light purple, and suddenly it's as if you're being sucked in towards the ship, transimposed into the actual cockpit, and you can almost feel everything replaying. You have your hands on the joystick of the ship, and there is someone patting your back behind you. You don't need to look. You know that Horus is right there, right behind you. There's a voice that comes up over, and it's one of your comrades as you see another ship kind of like come up and kind of like wave its wing at you. That should be the last of them. We can go ahead and turn this on back home. We got the rest of the stragglers. And the ship starts to turn as a shadow descends like a hawk over prey. And you watch as these fireball erupts from your friend's ship, bringing it down. And you see as you look up, a rogue ship up ahead. It is a thin dragon. You immediately, as Horus kind of like yells into your ear, you already know to engage with it. You pull the thruster up, moving into a, a turn as Horus begins firing off the sides directly at it. And you give chase, but this thing, it's quick. It moves, it's, it rids almost like a snake through the sky. Every shot you make, it almost seems to have like this feral movement pattern to it where it barely obeys what you're doing. And then it whips down into the canyon. You pull down into like a steep screeching dive, pulling up at the last possible moment with the dragon. Again, the chase pursues. You are now in a goalie with this like river. The water is flaring up off of the heat of your starship as you guys are going in the opposite direction. And just as it begins to pull into the view of your taking shot and taking it down, the canyon gives away and you see an entire battlefield ahead of you. There is an ongoing skirmish and you can see pug forces, pug rebellion forces fighting against the Federation. And you are about to lock in and fire when another shadow descends over you and two more bolts fire into you are sending your ship spiraling tumbling straight into the ground and a yell out to horse hold on and you press a button to eject and as you press that everything goes dark <sighs> you wake up again in this hobble there are many more ears now on the end of the spear and you see a man dressed in these traditional outfit before you. This man is a pug, balding. One of the teeth is broken. Another jaunts up past the lip. You can see he wears like a textured vest that has all these zigzagging patterns on it and these pants that kind of cut off at the knees. Barefoot, this orc, this pug, waits for you to come to consciousness from the crash. And when you do, he sits down puts a log in the fire. You are awake. Uh, what, what? What? What was all of that just now? Who? Who are? Who are you? What? What is? What is going on here? The fact that you see me means that your coding is coming undone, and these memories that we have placed within you to carry on our line is here within you coming forth. That all of the history and all of the things that are associated with your lineage are finally being transimposed into your current form. I am 
and then it cuts out. Like he continues speaking, but it's almost as if like there's kind of like this like garble of like transmission noises. And as soon as he finishes saying his name, he smiles. He gets up, walks over to you, and he says, "It is good to see you, my son." Uh, yeah. Clive is just kind of speechless. He's just in like in shock. Uh, this. What ha- what what happened to me? What? Why are you? Why are you appearing now? What? Uh, we struck back against the Federation. They came. But now we've given you a second chance. Your mother and I and the Shrined Cross. We've given you a chance to reclaim what could have been lost. And there's no better justice to it that I can imagine than this. He looks at you and he says, this form of yours but your heart still beats like a warrior you still run strong with the spirit of the orc <gasps> what it, I'm I'm still I'm still confused I'm like what 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 did this shrine cross what did they what did they do to me what why why am I only remembering all of this now why why can't I ever recall any of this before? What what exactly did they do to me? I do not know why you can only recall this now and then can only imagine the questions you have. But whatever you are doing, this searching for yourself, continue it. It is breaking down the code It is breaking down the barriers between the two lives within you. Continue on your path, but I... I am already fading, growing weaker. I look forward to speaking with you again. I look forward to sharing more. And then it begins to fade away. Wait. Wait. for now until I figure out what what's actually going on here uh, uh, well uh, I go I need to go make sure the ship's intact I need to I need to get my thoughts in order I need to figure out what's going on After roughly a seven-day journey, 
the lights and the stars wind down as the C2 comes out of hyperspeed with a and suddenly you find yourselves in a different part of the universe. You all attach to the hepatic implements, that way you can look out the viewing ports, and you see the moon of Vindicus to your right, far off. It is a blue moon, almost completely icy looking, with very thin atmosphere. You look out around you and you see like these nebula-like colors, and you see floating near the ship this ball of light with almost long thread-like legs as you see a solar wisp moving slowly amongst the ship. Its legs kind of trace up the side of the ship and everyone who has the hepatic things in, they feel this like electric current run through their body. It's tickling. It's happy. And then the entity moves on, floating away like a great fairy amongst the darkness. And that's when you guys are suddenly assailed with tons of transmissions that start to come in, flooding in to the ship, flooding in from your journey. You guys first are all immediately hit with a huge wave of adrenaline and then dopamine as the elations and the results of the elations hit your Neuralink. The elations are called such because the Federation creates a good feeling with it by having your Neuralinks dump all these hormones into your body that make you feel good about the result. And for a moment, you all just kind of freeze for a second. Your muscles and your body's locking. There's a sensation sends goose flesh up and the hairs on the end. And then suddenly it's gone. It's like the greatest high that lasts for about a minute. And you hear the results. I, Mr. Turby, accept the seat within the triumvirates. You guys find out that the hand becomes the new leader. And then more information floods in. One that makes your skin crawl in the opposite direction. One that fills all of you with either dread surprise or makes you grit your teeth in attack a invasion upon the planet of Endul just days after the elations occurred you don't really know what it was like the force or the size but that's where transmissions cut out and your neuralings have nothing left to offer. Just an invasion that is taking place on Endul. You don't know if that invasion is done. You don't know how long it lasted. For the time that it took you to travel to Vindicus was 92 days. 92 days? Holy crap. Yep. Seven days for you, 92 in uh, standard time. Dang. Sisa walks out just as you guys are all kind of like looking at each other with your mouths agape and he just has this look of concern his eyesight having returned over time Dr. Hoffer behind him and that 
is where we'll probably call the game as you guys are starting to bring the dragon down towards Vindicus. See you later, spacers. Wow. Thanks for the adventure. Yep, see you next time. That is bad news. Thank you for listening to this episode of Starlight. If you enjoyed this, please like, share, subscribe. For early releases, exclusive RPG content, and other bonus material, check us out on Patreon at patreon.com slash starlightadventures. And to reach us for questions to be aired, email us at thestarlightadventures at gmail.com. See you next Tuesday, spacers.